Another Pac-12 school just said they are committed to the Pac-12, even through the media rights uncertainty. Is that sign for concern still? Should we feel like, what is the holdup with the media rights deal? We're talking about that, the Crimson Collective, and the 2023 NFL Draft involving Utah players on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. My name is JT Wisto, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're talking about the Crimson Collective, what it means for the Utah football team, a couple things on the NFL draft. Happy draft day. For all of you who are hoping your franchise's fortune changes for the better. But first, we're going to be talking about Colorado and what their kind of news is about and how it affects Utah in terms of if they're going to stay in the Pac-12 with all the conference media rights deal and everything still such an unknown. And I mentioned NFL franchises changing for the better. My guest today had his NFL franchise change for the better when his New York <laughs> traded for Aaron Rodgers. But he is the Salt Lake Tribune's Josh Newman. And Josh, talking about this whole media rights situation has kind of been a headache for a while now but unfortunately it's it's still not completed so there's still going to be questions there were some reports came out that colorado could be sniffing around going back to the big 12 their chancellor so a little bit different than a president their chancellor came out um d stefano came out and denied those reports saying they're committed to the pac-12 that is all we have heard from all the athletic directors going back to mark harlan um I believe it was dennis dodd tweeting something out and mark harlan tweeted just simply give me a break. That is all we've heard is that they are still committed to the Pac-12. I have said for a while, I think this deal is going to get done, at least in the short term for the next four years, while everyone kind of tries to figure out what they want to do with the future of college football. It is interesting to me. It hasn't gotten done. I actually, on a previous show, Josh, I kind of compared it to your Jets-Packers situation, just because I feel like the two everyone's staring at each other in the eyes i do feel like espn the amazon i feel like apple tv's in there too i just feel like those programs want pac-12 football they want the night nightly viewing for espn the pac-12 wants to be on those brands as well i feel like both sides are just kind of holding out while they try to finalize the deal so i I do still think this is going to get done but it is strange it has taken so long yeah look it's going to get done i mean I, i think at this point i mean it's taking forever because you've got you know new entities who are not you know, uh, who are not well-versed in, you know, in sports media, you know, places like Amazon, like Apple TV, you know, stuff like that. So when you incorporate um, outlets and entities that are not familiar with this landscape, there's, you know, there's new hoops to jump through, new lawyers are involved, a lot of new things that just have to be, that have to be dealt with. So look, I mean, it's going to get done. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. the deal getting done is imminent it's been imminent for a long time. It's, it's just now a matter of, well, what does the timeline look like? <clears throat> and the timeline has kind of been like a moving target for what are we April, like eight, eight, eight months, you know, it's taken forever. No doubt. It's taken forever. I think the public perception of George Klyakov, the PAC 12 commissioner has taken a bit of a hit, but you know, all the ADs uh, very publicly have, have said that they are tethered together as one. Uh, Mark Harlan has been one of the louder, right? Pac-12 ADs trying to, you know, voice his opinion about, you know, nobody's going anywhere. And they're, again, they're in this as one, they're together, they're going to get this done. And, you know, we'll see what the number looks like. You know, there, there, there's two questions. How long is the deal and how much money? Um, you know, you keep hearing that 
there's optimism that this Pac-12 deal in terms of money will be on par with what the Big 12 just did for their deal. But I think the bigger question is, you know, how many how many years is it? Because, uh, you know, hypothetically, let's say it's let's say it's six years. Uh, if this is a six year deal, we're going to be doing this whole thing again in four or or four and a half years. Now, rest assured, whatever this deal is, however this shakes out, we're going to be doing realignment again in X number of years. That's just the uh, that's just the nature of it. So, um, again, it's taken longer than anybody anticipated, anybody wanted, but it, it's it's going to get done. It is going to get done. And I think one of the interesting factors of all this too, in that piece that was uh, published by USA Today, and then just like DeCepo was the one who came out and kind of denied it and said, hey, we're staying in the Pac-12. But one of the interesting things it does talk about is wanting to get back up to 12 teams. And that is kind of the interesting thing is when do, it seems like San Diego State is the obvious one to get added. We all saw the photos of Commissioner Kalayakov going down to SMU too. So it will be interesting to see if those are the two schools, the Pac-12 adds. I, I do feel like those will be the two teams. I think they add good value in terms of San Diego State, just keeping another footprint in California, one of the top high school football states. So you're getting access to some of the talent and the resources there, I think is a good move. Texas is also one of the top high school football states and Utah has recruited Texas very well. So I think having a Pac-12 school down there would just be another nice, strong footprint and just another step up of still like for the guys who maybe their first choice if they either in the state of texas would be the university of texas maybe after that a&m but maybe it's like man i still want to play and ecu too maybe but I, man i still want to play in a power five conference they could still have the opportunity to do that by going to smu so i do feel like those are the two most logical teams to add to the conference and i feel like it's the best fit too you know look there there is no replacing usc and no. ucla mm-hmm. you, you know you're not gonna you're not going to find an even match for those two schools. And that's just, that's just the reality, you know, from a, from an eyeball standpoint, from a TV standpoint, losing Los Angeles, you're losing like 5 million television homes. Now I think San Diego state makes a lot of sense in terms of uh, footprint and geography. You know, the San Diego state television market is something like, you know, 1 million or 1.2 million TV homes. So, you know, not Los Angeles, but that's still a, you know, that's still a pretty sizable number in a very, uh, attractive part of the country that you want to be in. I think from a competitive standpoint, I think San Diego State can walk in and be very, very good in basketball immediately. Uh, football, yes. you know, you could slide you could slide San Diego State football into the Pac-12 right now. They would not be the worst team in the Pac-12, right? That team under Brady Hoke has been very good, very competitive. Um, you know, beat, beat Utah two years ago in the wild triple overtime game. Yeah. Um, you know, that team won 12 games. So, you know, San Diego State football, you know, they just built a new on-campus stadium. Very, very viable athletic department. That would be a good get. And SMU, I mean, you know, my you know, my instinct on SMU has always been, well, it doesn't really make sense from a geographical standpoint, but what are we really talking about, right? USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten, are going to be playing sports yeah. in, you know, State College, Pennsylvania, and Piscataway, New Jersey, and West Lafayette, Indiana. So, Geographically, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but that doesn't matter. Um, you know, again, Dallas, you know, Metroplex kind of TV market. That's a, you know, not replacing Los Angeles, but that's a pretty healthy number of, of, yes. of television sets and streaming that you're going to get in Dallas. Um, you know, they're, they're going to expand. Mm-hmm. I, I think we know that much. I think San Diego State makes a ton of sense. Uh, SMU doesn't make as much sense. I'd be curious to see if, you know, if the Pac-12 wants to get back to 12, you know, do you kick the tires on Fresno State yeah. or, you know, on a lesser, in a lesser extent, maybe Boise State, 
Um, going to be interesting, but I, I think San Diego State is at the is probably at the top of the wish list. It it it, it it's then a matter of uh, who would be number twelve after San Diego State becomes number eleven. You're right. It is such a clear fit with San Diego State is kind of figuring out who's the next best option. That's what Commissioner Kalayakoff and the rest of the Pac-12 presidents and athletic directors will end up doing. So it'll be interesting to see how the process itself plays out. One interesting thing for the Utah football program that's been interesting to see how it plays out is the evolution of NIL and how everything works. And they just announced the Crimson Collective. So we are going to talk about what the significance of that is in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Bill Bar. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built you got to try this if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise taste then i've got just the thing for you built bars and built puffs built puffs are amazing and so are built bars they're healthy and taste amazing seriously they taste so amazing you won't think they're good for you but you've got to try them what makes built bars so good well for starters they're covered in 100 real dark chocolate that's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it. These bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can head over to Built.com and order your boxes. Or you can just head to your local Smith's or Sam's Club and pick up a box of Built Bars today. So once again, Smith's, Sam's Club, or Built.com to get some great and delicious Built Bars. Josh, coming back into this earlier last week, the Crimson Collective was announced by Utah football program, Mark Harlan. It was a big event. Everyone was out for it. And I think a lot of people are probably curious about what is the Crimson Collective and why is it important? And I can actually use two quotes from the piece you wrote on the Salt Lake Tribune, which if you guys want to check that out, make sure you guys head over to Josh Newman on the Salt Lake Tribune. So for the two quotes on that, what what is the Crimson Collective? It's a new football-specific NIL collective backed by some high-profile donors and alumni. Next step question is, people are probably asking is, why should I care? Well, this is a direct quote from Coach Whittingham that is really important to me. We probably lost six to eight recruits that we wouldn't have gotten had we had the re- we would have gotten, excuse me, had we had more resources available to us. Winningham told the Salt Lake Tribune earlier this week. So it is extremely important to this program. I think it's a great step in the right direction, Josh. And it's much needed as they just welcomed in their best recruiting class in program history. If they want to continue upping that, you need to be able to compete with the other top schools in terms of NIL revenue. Yeah, you know, Kyle Whittingham, I think a lot of times with the media, specifically the local media, he, he's he's very PC. And he doesn't go, you know, he goes out of his way not to say anything, you know, too crazy or, he, you know, he doesn't try to make headlines. But NIL is something that he's been very, very public about. He kind of he kind of went in on NIL and the state of college football uh, back in October before Utah played USC, um, you know, basically saying that, you know, I'm paraphrasing him, but, you know, at, at, at some point, the top 25 NIL pots of money is going to mirror the top 25 teams in college football. And that was his way of saying that Utah is not is not on par with a, a lot of the schools, uh, not on par with a lot of the resources that, you know, that schools are coming up with just in the, you know, just in the Pac-12. I mean, you know, USC has multiple donor collectives. Oregon has uh, its uh Division Street Collective, which is Nike-backed, of course, with Phil Knight and all the Nike money. Uh, you know, Washington has, has a couple of big collectives. So Utah has not been on par with that. And Kyle Whittingham kind of sees the writing on the wall that this is where the sport is going. And if you want to continue to be competitive and continue to challenge for Pac-12 championships, you need to be on par with this and on board with this and doing NIL the right way. And, you know, Mark Harlan's approach to NIL since it began in July of 21 has been very prudent, very careful. 
very calculated. He did not want his athletic department or his football program to turn into, you know, the Wild West, so to speak, as we've seen at different parts, uh, excuse me, different, you know, different programs across the country. It's kind of turned into the Wild West and, and, uh, and pay for play. Uh, you know, this athletic director at, at Utah was not going to allow that to happen. So what we have now is you've got some important people, right? People like Matt Garf, right? Of course, the Garf family's fingerprints are all over Utah athletics, all over Utah football. Matt Garf is kind of the brains behind the Crimson Collective, which is now, you know, again, Utah here now leveling up its football program in terms of NIL resources. So, you know, Matt Garf behind the Crimson Collective, uh, the owner of the Colorado Rockies is a, is a 1982 alum of Utah. He's on board. He was in town Friday for the launch event. Um, Alex Smith, Eric Weddle, uh, Kevin Dyson, uh, uh, Britton Covey, you know, I'll, I'll just – you know, the, all the famous names in the history of Utah football that everybody knows, everybody is behind this. And the guys that I just named, Alex Smith, Eric Weddle, et cetera, they're on the board of directors. They have a say in what goes on here. So we will now see what happens here, right? This is not immediate, right? That Utah is just like leveled up with USC, leveled up with Oregon, but they now have a collective with the backing, with a nice little war chest of money to get this thing going. And, you know, listening to Matt Garf, um, <clears throat> excuse me, listening to Matt Garf last week, like, like describe his vision and explain his vision for what he wants this collective to be in one year, two years, five years, listening to Mark Harlan talk about where NIL was in July 21 to where it is now to where he thinks it could go in the future. I think Utah now is in a very, you know, advantageous, very optimistic spot for its football program with this Crimson Collective now up and running. It absolutely appears that way. And as you mentioned, I think a lot of recruits will come into Utah and they'll be like, man, I love the program. I love the coaches. And then it's like, okay, how much can you guys offer me? Because I got this school's offer me this much, something like what happened with, uh, with Spencer Fano, like in order to compute for like, we don't know what the NIL and all that stuff, how it worked for Spencer Fano, but if to get recruits like that in the future, who were the other teams that were down with Spencer Fano? It was Clemson, Michigan, Oregon. You were going to have to be able to offer some kind of NFL NAL compensation because those other programs are going to be able to do that as well. So it's very <clears throat> important that the Utah football program has taken this step. And it's nice that they're united. And just speaking of united, I like that you mentioned Mark Harlan, some of the players, Alex Smith too. I think one of the really interesting parts that I found in reading your story about it was Alex Smith was originally hesitant because the university wasn't able to kind yeah. of step in and get involved in everything. And how did that process kind of come about and why? did the players and now the athletic department how are they able to contribute to the crimson club foundation or the crimson collective foundation you know so when nil first started like athletic departments and programs and coaches and administrators could not have a hand in uh could not have a hand in, in any of this now i'm sort of paraphrasing I, I hope i get this correct but at this point the uh, the ncaa has offered excuse me has offered new guidance mm -hmm. to what level of involvement athletic departments can have in NIL and <clears throat> it's a much higher level of involvement than when this first started. So now bottom line is like the athletic department can, can be involved and, you know, Utah athletics is now allowed to endorse an NIL if they want to, like, you know, before this Utah thing came along famously, one of the USC football collectives, I forget which one there's like four or five collectives at USC, but one of them, is like fully endorsed by the athletic department. And that collective was running video ads 
at the Coliseum during the spring game. So, you know, big money, big backing, et cetera. And that's kind of what this Utah situation is now. Utah Athletics and Mark Harlan uh, and Taylor Randall, the president, they are all endorsing the Crimson Collective. So, look, there was a Crimson Collective commercial uh, at Rice-Eccles pregame before the spring game. Like, it's a completely new day and a new age and just a new way of doing things. Um, So, you know, it's, uh, you know, everybody needs to be on the same page and everybody needs to be working as one in lockstep for this to work. And it's, it's very helpful that, that Utah is on board with the Crimson Collective. Everybody seems to be on the same page with it. Yeah, it does seem like, and that's what you need. You need to be united under one front, especially like you said, this is, look, there are other smaller like funds going on at Utah. The Crimson Collective is the fund. You mentioned there's there's four major funds going on at USC, which isn't surprising yeah. because it's like we talked about. It's your Utah's probably never going to be able to catch the position that USC is in, no. but they can offer other things still and make it appealing. And I think we just talked about the big recruits. Like obviously Isaac Wilson is a guy that Utah really wants. He's a four-star quarterback. He's got a chance to be a special player at the next level, just like his brother was in college. And his recruitment is going to involve some kind of NIL deal that will be put together by the Crimson Collective, of course. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the situation plays out. But once again, this is huge for the future of Utah football because in terms of NIL, they can now get a little more competitive in terms of pursuing some of the top prospects and offering them some kind of compensation. And speaking of the top prospects, of course, tonight is the 2023 NFL Draft. And in the first round, Josh, unfortunately, Clark has kind of seen his stock fall just because of his height. It really seems like the biggest reason for that being just I think teams looking at more of a slot corner than look, it's just going to be hard for him to compete against the DeAndre Hopkins of the NFL world on the outside. So his stock has fallen a little bit second or third round, maybe. But tonight we will see Dalton Kincaid go unless something crazy happens. He's most people's number one tight end in the NFL draft. And for me, I feel like he's going to end up in Cincinnati. I know the popular one is San Diego. I just feel like tight end is one of those luxury picks when you're trying to build an NFL roster. And I feel like the Bengals are really, really appealed by getting Dalton Kincaid. Not only would you have him under cheat for a few years, but while you're paying Jamar Chase, while you're trying to get T Higgins on your contract, while you're paying Joe Burrow, I think it's nice to have a cheap tight end who can be a really dominant tight end too. So to me, that makes a lot of sense for Dalton to go there. Where do you see Dalton getting drafted at tonight? You know, certainly within the, within the within the first round. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. He he will get selected tonight, uh, Thursday first round. You know, the projection is you know it's a little bit all over the place. I, I've seen mm-hmm. as high as fifteen. Uh, most of the most of the projections I've seen have him going in like the early to mid twenties, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because look, remember he he hasn't worked out, and he mm-hmm. didn't, you know he couldn't work out at the combine. He had that back injury that he suffered in late November at Colorado. Uh, got himself together enough to, you know, catch four balls in the Pac-12 championship game, uh, you know, skip the Rose Bowl because he was injured. And he, uh, let me think, we talked to Dalton Kincaid at Utah Pro Day. And at that point, this is like late, late March, I guess. Like he, yes. at that point, at that point, he had been cleared to begin working out, but not to do anything physical. And if I remember correctly, he he told the media at, at, uh, at Utah Pro Day that his goal was to be fully healthy, fully, fully going in time for OTAs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ha- has not worked out a ton, did not work out for teams. He has been given full clearance to begin, you know, physical activity. Uh, you know, there was a quote, you know, a doctor's note that was sent to all 32 NFL teams from a specialist. So um, interesting situation, you know, as you said, JT, uh, number one tight end on on the board almost universally. 
and that's without working out for anybody uh, at the combine or anywhere else. Um, you know, fascinating situation. I think you know, anytime a anytime a kid gets drafted, uh, that's a major recruiting tool for a program. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, hey, look, you know, this is our guy. This is what we turned him into. But Kincaid is interesting because you know, remember, he started his college career at the University of San Diego, which is non-scholarship FCS football, um, enters the portal, winds up at Utah for 2020, had all of one catch, mm-hmm. one catch in five oh. games in 2020. But there was still like this very high level of optimism that that he would be a player and that, and that things would pan out. I don't know that anybody thought, whether it be Kyle or Andy Ludwig or Freddie Whittingham, the tight ends coach, I don't know that anybody thought that he would become – arguably the best pass catching tight end in the country last season. So um, that's a credit to Kincaid for working. That's a credit to, you know, the staff for identifying him, you know, in spite of the level he was playing at. So uh, just a very interesting situation, just how his career has played out and how these last couple of months have played out again, you know, injured, limited, no working out at the combine yet. He is still the number one tight end on, uh, on most everybody's board. Said a lot of great stuff there. Number one, I think talking about just the draft stock and everything like that as it pertains for Utah, it's great because what happened last year? Devin Lloyd, it's back-to-back first-round picks. That's what I talked about on my show yesterday. It's a great point position for this Utah football team to be in. You also got a guy in Clark Phillips who his three-year plan was to come in and then go to the NFL. Yes, he wanted to be a first-rounder, but he's and he's going to fall to the second or whatever, but it's still it's another guy for the Utes that's going to get drafted, so that's a big step for them too. And the Dalton piece is always interesting. This is the time of year where it just feels like when you get close to the draft, teams just start to overthink and look at kind of all the weird stuff and the tape gets thrown to the side sometimes. We're really seeing that with CJ Stroud right now and all these kind of test scores and weird things that are getting thrown out there. I mean, hey, Josh, you and I were both at that Rose Bowl back in uh, in 2022, (laughs) the first game. If I I can get that guy on my NFL team, I would. And same thing with Jackson Smith, the Jiggler, who's going to get drafted the first round this year too. But we'll be interesting to see where Dalton goes. Teams might get scared off by the back injury. Is a team going to feel good about take a chance? I mean, Devin right. Lloyd was universally a top 15 pick in every mock draft last year, falls all the way to Jacksonville at 26, and in a redraft, I think would go a lot higher. So it'll be interesting to see how Dalton gets viewed after that. But outside of that, for Utah for the rest of the draft, I do feel like they'll see three players get drafted over the next few days, that being Clark Phillips, Braden Daniels, and Mahmoud Diabate late in the draft. Is that how you see it playing out too? I think so. You know, Clark Phillips, um, I, look, I don't have a ton to – add to what you said about Clark Phillips, but just, you know, I, I remember Sharif Shah, right. The cornerbacks coach at Utah mm-hmm. talking about sitting in Jalen Johnson's living room in Fresno when he was in high school. And Jalen Johnson very boldly told Sharif Shah that he's going to be at, you know, in school for three years, he's going to get his degree and he's going to go to the draft. And Sharif Shah compared Clark Phillips to Jalen Johnson in that respect, where Clark Phillips was also kind of this very bold, very put together high school kid as a 17 year old and like his plan was three years in college and he wants to go to the draft. And that's what Clark Phillips did, right? A unanimous all American as a third year, sophomore, uh, 31 career games, all of them starts. And, you know, certainly size has been a factor in his pre-draft process did not have a great combine, but for, mm-hmm. for what Clark Phillips lacks in size, he makes up for in look, he's universally considered, you know, a student of the game, Mm-hmm. devours film has this like insatiable desire to, to just get better. So, you know, he's going to go day two. His projection is again, kind of all over the place. Like, you know, 
early, I've seen him as high as like, I think number 36, which would be early second round all the way to like deep in the third round. So somebody's going to take a flyer on Clark Phillips. It's, it, it, it's just a matter of how much faith do you have that he can be a player in spite of his size. So uh, yeah, Clark Phillips, you know, Braden Daniels is a day three guy, uh, potentially as high as the fifth round. Um, of all, you know, of all four of these Utah guys, Kincaid, Phillips, Braden Daniels, and Mo Diabate, Diabate is kind of the most interesting situation, right? Mm-hmm. He was a combine snub, didn't go to the combine, uh, played really well at the East-West Shrine game in early February. And from all, you know, from everything I've read and heard, his pre-draft process has gone really well. And he certainly helped himself at Utah Pro Day with some of the measurables, right? He had that crazy, like, 11-foot broad jump yes. as part of Utah Pro Day. So what do you do with Diabate, right? Like a seasoned guy has played at a very high level, you know, sufficient athleticism. You know, there are some criticisms, but there's probably enough there for Diabate where maybe he sneaks into the fourth round. I, th- I think that's the very, like, optimistic look at Diabate, maybe in the fourth round. There's other people who think he's not going to get drafted at all. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't get drafted, he would certainly be a priority undrafted free agent. But um, that one's going to be interesting. You know, do, you know, will somebody take a shot on Diabate again, as early as the fourth round, maybe late in the draft, right? Right. Like late sixth, seventh round. That one to me is going to be very interesting. It is going to be interesting to see how it plays out for this Utah football team. And it's crazy to look back, obviously back to back pack 12 champions, but 2021, only one guy drafted. We all thought Nephi had a chance late, didn't end up going right, his way. Right. And then this year you'll have four guys drafted and that number could only continue to go up for years to come with the level of talent Utah is now bringing in just to bring this whole thing together, basically. So they're in a very good position overall. Josh, if people want more Utah football talk or just University of Utah athletics, where should they head over to? Yeah, I appreciate that. I link, I link everything on my Twitter at Joshua underscore Newman um, and uh, the Salt Lake Tribune, sltrib.com slash sports. All our stuff is there. Uh, spring game stuff that just passed. We'll have some draft stuff this weekend. Uh, I, I've got some more post spring ball stuff that I'm, you know, that I, I just haven't written yet. We'll get to that. And uh, you know, uh, very quickly, we're going to get to fall camp here. So uh, enjoy the quote time off uh, because it's going to be really short. It is. It always sneaks up on us always. way quicker than we think it, yep. it does. Yep. So it's gonna be. It's gonna be a crazy off season, especially with transfer news. And there's some TV deal that's no gonna doubt. get done. A lot of stuff to keep up with. Josh, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks, JT. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, it is NFL Draft Day. Locked On's got you covered. Tons of NFL draft content available all across the various Locked On platforms. Make sure you guys check that out. We'll be back tomorrow reacting to. Whatever team picks, Dalton Kincaid. That's not going to be on tomorrow's Locked On Use.